And for me during the pandemic, I had been feeling more isolated than ever. And the the job I had left, the, the company I had left, I had been a part of for several years. And I very much had a community being part of that company. And what I noticed is upon leaving, I was no longer in the tribe. And I looked at my life and whether it was church, uh, like in earlier years and being part of a tribe and then moving my physical location and then not having that community anymore, I really wanted to create. Hi, Sheep Talkers. Welcome to Talk Show with me. And I am your host, Paula, the Sheep Talker. I mean, don't we all like talking shit anyways? <laughs> are you a creator? If so, you are in the right space. Talkshare with is a place where we showcase and celebrate the talents, works, and stories of creative minds from all walks of life, while also raising awareness for mental health through providing a supportive space to share their stories, insights, and experiences. We will be discussing creative journeys, the high, lows, and the ways we manage our mental health through it all. Join us each week for inspiring conversations, useful resources, and a community of like-minded creators as we dive into the minds of creative beings to explore their journeys, struggles, and triumphs. So whether you are seasonal creative or just starting out, Talk Show repeats the podcast for you. Talk show with P. I have my second guest of season seven. Actually, it was supposed to be my first guest for the day. But, you know, sometimes the weather and the technology have different ideas. But he finally made it. Johnny, welcome to Talk show with P. Thank you for having me, Paula. I'm super excited <laughs> to be here today. Me too. I'm so excited to have you. Like, I feel like I haven't known you for that long, but I love you so much. I met Johnny for the first time this year at Podfest, but I'd already known about him through his big brother, Adventure. And Johnny was sweet enough to send me this journal, Lifey. You see, I, I can't even find myself to removing this. Like, it's still right there. And it was so sweet because this planner came during International Women's Day. Like, it was so perfect and everything about it. And I love it. And I just want to say in front of every fucking body, thank you for this. This meant the world to me. Absolutely, Paula. Absolutely. I feel the same about you. We just met less than a year ago. And I think what was different is our ability to just be authentic and dive into it and and just have good conversations right off the bat. I know. I love it. And even came to my pen night, Podfest, he showed up. It was one of those people sitting there. And when I brought in my, my cat joke and he raised his end as one of those people who had cats, I was like, oh, my God, I was just starting to love you, Johnny. <laughs> but, Johnny, so we're going to talk about the lifey. So yeah. how did the Lifey brand come about? So it, it, I have to start with pre-pandemic. Um, was in the real estate industry for nearly 15 years and was interviewing for a role where it, it was pretty substantial, this corporate role where I'd be overseeing 1,200 young professionals 
And one of the things about the interview process was, what am I going to do with the division if I'm awarded this opportunity? And they wanted me to create an annual goal for it. So I did. And interviews went really well, ended up getting the role. And my third day on the job, the pandemic hit. Fuck. And all my annual goals went out the window. And it was more about survival during that time for the division. And I needed to restructure and start really chunking things down into this quarterly style of doing goals. And after doing that for a few quarters and seeing the results that can happen when you really just focus on a couple of things over a small period of time, those little shifts, while they might not seem that big over the span of a few months, in multiple years from then, it's going to have you in a completely different place. So in 2021, I actually started creating my own planner because I wanted to create something that was not only goal-focused, and by the way, goals is a very scary word. It scares away a lot of people, and they're just simply a reminder for how to behave in the moment. They just remind us how we can be behaving. For instance, if you're going to climb a mountain, if that's your goal, then what are the things that a mountain climber would be doing to prepare for that? Maybe talking to other mountain climbers, training, getting their diet down, any sort of travel itinerary that needs to happen to go climb that mountain. So it's just simply a reminder of how to behave in the moment. And also, I wanted to incorporate a holistic approach, something that also integrated gratitude, self-care, and really just helping you focus on the things that are the most important to you. And that's why it's called Lifey. It's, it's about your life. And your life does contain business components, personal components, all different sorts of components. And it's this very holistic approach to make these small shifts one quarter at a time. And also one of my favorite components is you get four fresh starts per year. So it's like in January when the New Year's resolutions all come about, we all feel so good. We put the past to rest. We say this year is going to be our year. Well, that's the way I feel every quarter. I stopped saying that shit a long time ago (laughs) because I I realize I jinx myself every time I say this is going to be my year. I end up jinxing this. It's it's a funny thought, and yet I really connect with that mentality of stepping into this world of possibilities because it's such a positive mindset and it's so future-focused and present-focused versus the past, which provide great learning lessons, and yet our past don't really have a whole lot to do with our future because we get to choose our future. So, yeah. I like that. Um, and I realized the thing with me, I realized that again, goals is such a scary word, right? Yeah. Like, and then every time you like, 
however strong you are, when something goes wrong, you feel like you failed. So you feel, especially when you, it's something you're working towards your goal. So I started doing something different because I never, everything I end up saying I will do by the first week of January always goes to trash, literally. So what I've started is I would pick a word for that year and be surrounding myself with a word that year. So like this year, my word was intentional. I wanted to be intentional with everything I did, with the connections I did with. So whatever the life ends up flowing at me, but I just wanted to be intentional. Like I go to conferences, you meet people, right? And then, but you're not intentional with the connections you make. You like disappear every now and then you leave messages on each other on social media. And then until the next conference, you meet again and catch up. But, and then when you look back, you're like, I literally actually haven't spoken to this connection since the last time we were here. Like, yes, we have reposted each other's stories or anything but so I, I was like this year i want to be intentional i want the connections i make i want to nurture them i want to uh, be intentional with the places i show up and the things that i accumulate in my head and the growth of what i want my podcast to be if that makes sense <laughs> absolutely it makes sense and that's one of the things in the planner that there is a word you choose each quarter and for me, it does oftentimes change after a few months. And I also love the idea of just doing it for a whole year. Yeah, it's been, because uh, I only started that last year. But also to ask you something about your plan, right? Um, yeah. Why, why would you, uh, you know how the, the goals page, which I really like, I there's so mm. much I like about uh, about this planner. I like the the your people, you know, the top five and the boundaries. I love, and especially the boundaries, it's so important for people to always realize how important it is to set boundaries and how that can go into connection with your goal setting. But why, why was it the goal, only three goals? What was the idea behind just three goals? Or is it because it's a quarterly, so like a goal for every quarter? So... It's anywhere from one to three goals. I think three goals in a single Is quarter it? could almost be overwhelming. And oh, yeah. I encourage people to at least create one, at least one thing. And the way we get to that one thing is through a future self exercise where we f- start to ideate how we want to feel, who we want to be in five years from now in five years is arbitrary. We could do three years, 10 years, right? You you could choose it. And yet this real future self, and then asking yourself, what's the one thing I could do this quarter that'll put me on the trajectory to becoming that person. And I'm huge on this principle of being, doing, and then having And it's from the seven highly effective habits of people by Stephen Covey. And he talks about this mentality of, well, if I do this, if I work really hard, then I'll have money. And then if I have money, I could be happy when, if you flip the whole thing and you do that future self-exercise and you choose who you want to be first, 
And then by being that way, you, make you can the money. have the things, whatever you want to, to have and ultimately do whatever you want to do if you flip that. So I, I'm really big on that. And instead of getting too caught up in like, oh, I only have two goals this quarter or three or, you know, choose as many goals as you want just for me. I really like what you were saying about being intentional this year, because when I hear that, that is a goal. That's a goal. And how would an intentional person behave when they go to a conference, when they jump on an interview for a podcast, really with anything they're doing in their life, that is their goal is to be intentional. Hey, shit talkers, are you ready to finally finish the book you started two years ago? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That one, the one that is still sitting in a Word document on your computer just like mine. <laughs> well, no more. None of that. Let me tell you, shit talkers, no one is going to get the job done more quickly like my girl, Eliquity. I'm finally, oh my God, getting my book done because of her. She's working with me to write my book and she can do the same with you. She can help you finally finish the book you started. Get your book finished before the end of the year. Publish the baby and add Arthur to your bio. When you hire my girl Eliquity as your ghostwriter. Go to our website www.writeforyou.me and click on a discovery call button to grab a time on our calendar today. Yes, that is www.writeforyou.me. What are you waiting for? Let's get this author title added up to our bios. Do it now. Thank me later. And that's so true. And, and, and I've seen massive change because uh, I've gotten to accomplish or do shit that I didn't even think I would be able to, all because I was intentional with the connections I made at Podfest this year. And this yeah. also came because that's the mistake I made last year. But mind you, last year was my first time attending this conference. I've never attended a podcasting conference. I didn't know what to accept. I was just doing it virtually. So I would understand being a little bit dumbish on how to waver or whatever. And because everybody had already known through online. So it was like, oh, it was like, you know, meeting people after so long, after COVID, after everything. But then when I went back this year and I realized, I was like, oh, shit, that's the mistake I made. But then I, I got to learn from it. So I started after coming back, taking those meetings, reaching out to those people who I met and like me, getting on discovery call. I got on a discovery call with you and I realized, OK, I want to work with Johnny, but I need to first get myself here so I can. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't jumped been intentional with the connection we made and jumped onto that discovery call. So I feel like that's how maybe I can handle my goals by choosing words. And now you have actually brought an idea because yeah, why, why do one word a year? I can actually do a word quarterly or even if I'm already doing, I start one with January and then I, 
in my next quarter i add one and they go two because i've already been practicing the other one so it's not like you are distracting yourself you're already adding a different word that goes with the word you've already been abusing if i if i <laughs> absolutely so when you start integrating that word into your life at a certain point it becomes second nature you internalize it and it just becomes you just become this intentional person and then it's asking at a certain point and and by the way time is made up by humans where it's you know oh every 3 months or every quarter or you know that's what's worked for me it's this reevaluation process where i take some time and i get crystal clear on the direction i want to go again because we're always changing and mm-hmm. after getting crystal clear again then i'll choose the goal the word all the things and i just do it four times a year where i stop and i take a look at my life and i figure out where do i want it to go from here cuz so much happens in such a short amount of time true now with that said we know life is more than just the quarterly planner there's more to to life is so what inspired you to um start a company because you, you you just said you were in real estate so what inspired you to start a company focused on helping people discover their purpose and potential I think I saw that that's what was missing and granted this was all born during the pandemic and for me during the pandemic I had been feeling more isolated than ever and the the job I had left the, the company I had left I'd been a part of for several years and I very much had a community being part of that company and what I noticed is upon leaving I was no longer in the tribe. And I looked at my life and whether it was church uh like in earlier years and being part of a tribe and then moving my physical location and then not having that community anymore, I really wanted to create something where I would just never have to leave. It didn't matter if I changed jobs, if I changed locations and I created a community and the original intent of the community was quarterly goals done alongside community followed by quarterly retreats to set goals for that upcoming quarter and it's really evolved past that and we're now switching from this idea of oh you have to have this planner and then once you get the planner you could be in our little tribe and we're moving more towards this values based community of what are our community values as we want to start to attract people into it um just based on values whether they use the planner or not like i actually think your goal system is great like choosing a word and then just doing it you know just being it just being intentional so i don't think everyone needs the planner the planner was stuff that i created for myself and then made available for other people it's a, my accountability tool it's something that i need to do in order to actually make sure i end up doing the things i say that i'm going to do so 
this whole brand is going to be a lifelong project. And what's cool is I consider myself the founder of it. And yet we don't have a leader. I very much rely on the community and the people who make up the community to choose where we want to go with it because it really needs to mirror and match life. And the only guarantee in life is this constant change from every single moment to moment to moment. And I, I grow leery of communities when there is just a figurehead and that person dictates everything without the listening component of all the community. So while I might ultimately make a judgment call here and there on where to go, it is all sourced from the community. And and I can testify to that because as my I haven't been alive for long, um, but I have since I've started following social media, I've seen how involved you make the community into either picking the newsletter name, either the meetings I've attended, seeing how everybody has a say. And it even if the, the meeting happened and people had to say it still goes back to the community, the group where there's still more pause. So it's really a, everyone gets to be involved, um, which I love that. And um, I like the idea of a planner. You know, I feel like journaling, um, I've always been like, I feel like when my fire happened, one of the saddest thing was I even recorded all my notebooks, seeing all my diaries, all my books just being washed up. That was the most painful thing. Not my electronics, not nothing, but because I don't get that back. And I write a lot of my memories. And actually, that's how I ended up with this, because I was talking about that and Johnny decided to send me one. And can you believe I actually, apart from writing my name on the first page, I am yet to use it. And there was a reason for that. Um, this year has been a lot for me. Like the fire really ended up changing the transaction of how my life. You know, you come back from Podfest where there's so much high of all these hopes and, and dreams. Of, and then you come and then a fire happens and you're like, oh, fuck. Okay, so I am I'm, I'm I'm putting this to to start it in 2024 where I can start where with a fresh head in my in myself and only because I'm very um sentimental like <laughs> even when I choose my journals and stuff even though I buy a lot that's why I think I buy them a lot like I have notebooks for like just normal notes and everyday shit and then the ones which mean so much to me it has to be a specific type of notebook or a journal like i'm very sensitive like that but um as we were talking about um finding one's purpose you know um that can be such a profound journey right uh it takes some people end up even dying without knowing what their, their purpose was some people takes them a lifetime some people grow up knowing what the fuck their purpose is how did you find yours It's a great question. That's a deep question. I'm and a deep person. <laughs> I know you are. I So from a young age, I've always wanted to help other people. And 
the stories that always stuck out to me the most, whether it was a movie or a book or anything like that, were these underdog stories where this person maybe didn't have all the tools. They didn't have all the information. Maybe they weren't supposed to win if they were competing in something. And yet they found a way to overcome things. And that it is a very, very specific thing. But I am a huge fan of underdogs. And when I think about what my purpose is, is to help underdogs, that's something that could be defined very broadly. And yet at the heart of it is really how I view myself is I look at myself as an underdog and not that I didn't have resources growing up or I wasn't, didn't have the privilege of getting education or something like that, but more so I came from a familial dynamic that was really challenging and there hadn't been anybody who had really done the work in the family to break any sort of ancestral chains that kept getting passed down, passed down, passed down. And at a certain point I'm looking around the room, like, I guess it's going to be me. I guess it's going to be me. And I'm going to do a lot of work therapy journaling, question, a lot of, come from curiosity, ask a million questions and ultimately even experiment with things to get out of this dynamic and get into a healthier place mentally, emotionally, physically. And I know how hard that journey is. And I'm not sitting here today saying, I'm on the other side of it. And I, everything's all good now. I'm good from here on out, Paula. It's more so that I'm still working on it. And yet I start to look around at people who may be a couple steps. I don't want to say behind because I could make it feel like a race or something. They were where I was maybe a couple years back or maybe five years back or maybe 10 years back. And nothing in the world feels better for me than getting to help those people in that journey. And ultimately, I get to be a guide of sorts. And it's the guide that I wish I had when I was there. So I like that. It just lights me up more than anything. So when we talk about this, what's your purpose? I very much think it correlates with the things that make you the happiest and not happy in a fake way, but an internal peace, a stillness, a knowing that it's, this is where I'm supposed to be doing my work. And, and, and that's so true. You know, I, I like how you say it about underdogs. I myself consider myself underdog, even though I, I come from, what most would consider privilege because I don't have no student loans. My dad paid. I went to amazing schools. I've traveled the world. I have, yes, my life might have had roadblocks or where I am right now might not be pretty, but I'm not going to say, oh my God, I struggled growing up or any of that shit. But 
I still consider myself underdog. And um, that's what I wanted my podcast to be, you know, to create that space for underdogs can be seen because we have this tendency of giving people their flowers until somebody else who we all love ends up a acknowledging them like you make it to Oprah, you make it to jeremy falcon you make it to joe rogan joe rogan says your name then now everybody oh i know paula i used to do that now everybody wants to clap for you but where were you clapping for me when i was needing those claps right now where i'm i'm building this where i'm using my sweat and energy where i don't have as much of the resources as other people but i'm still going and i'm still hustling and i'm still trying to make it so i i get and that's why i feel like i also love the the life brand and what you 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 what it stands for and what it values because we all need that you know a place where we can feel seen supported and <laughs> encouraged to find our purpose and just as you said it's a process like I know I've been doing therapy and and sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, oh my God, I've grown because that's not how I would have responded two years back or even a few months back. But then when I look at the wrong picture, I'm like, oh my God, I still have more to go because the growth, the process, the work is ongoing because you're constantly learning, you're constantly developing, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly, so the work doesn't end there. And for you to see somebody that's the, in a place where you were a few years back, or even a few months back, and who they're struggling, and you lend a hand, that's all they need, because I didn't have somebody to lend a hand when I was going through my mental health, my depression, where I didn't know what the fuck depression was. Well, I didn't know if I could even say it out loud, if people would even understand. But then once I started sharing it, and that's when I started that movement, Life with Paula, to be able to create this community where we supported each other. And right now to see they're living their life, they're not... mm, the depression hasn't died, but they found tools because of the community that we built and how we supported each other to allow ourselves to keep going and know that the more we talk, the more we help each other, we help push forward. So that 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 truly resonates with me. And I'm gonna Yes. <sighs> I think it's so important for people to have a community where they just have that belonging feeling that they're not alone. And because we are not alone, we do have each other. And yet there does need to be either a community to plug into, to be able to connect with other people and show up as you are and be able to share, be able to be vulnerable and not feel as if there's something wrong with you for having that feeling, but instead connect with other people who are also having that feeling. Mm-hmm. And that, that alone has a hope component to it. And I do look at mental health issues and specifically things like suicide and the, the constant with something like that is isolation. A, a lot of times people don't know that other people are suffering because 
it's hard to come out and say that you're suffering. And when you've got safe places to be able to do that, it helps so people don't fall through the cracks. I've seen Such it. A- I've seen it over and over, Paula, where people just fall through the cracks. And it, what really prevents that is community. And when people stop showing up to that community, that's the time to check in on them. Mm-hmm. Because they might begin that slide towards isolation if they stop showing up. So true. And, and and I think that's why I always say I feel like COVID was a blessing in disguise because um, one thing about COVID, oh, my God, what was I going to say? Shit, how did I just lose my tooth? Isolation. Um, yeah, you mentioned something which I was going to... Yes, yes. Um, so before, before COVID, right, when people shared about their struggles, social media would always downplay it and laugh at people when people would cry cry out on social media. Yes, some people, they cry out on social media maybe because their families are not listening or they don't have friends they can cry out to. So they come to social media to cry out, hoping that one person can see them and reach out and just ask, are you okay? Sometimes that's all it takes. Are you okay? But then social media, we end up mocking people who end up crying out, oh, why are you crying on on, on social media? Or you must not really need help if you're coming on social media to cry or all that shit. But then once they end up committing suicide, everybody's like, man, I wish I knew sooner. Man, if I knew I would have helped. But literally she was crying out there and and you couldn't create a safe space. And I think after COVID, where everybody was going through isolation and being isolated, people understood the importance of safe spaces, of communities, of being vulnerable. Because during COVID, nobody was coming to check on you because, mind you, everybody was dealing with it. So no, and, and, and other people, like imagine me, I'm single, I'm by myself. No cat, no dog, no nothing. And then my friends have either two kids, three kids, a pet, a, a grandmother living with them. Uh, you think they're going to, with all that they have going on in their house, they're going to worry about little me who doesn't have any other extra baggage. And it's not that it's their fault. It's just that during COVID, everybody was going through shit at the same time. Some was depending on their whatever was happening in their households. But that's when people really realized like, okay, speaking out matters, creating safe space matters and belonging to communities that you can be your authentic self and show up as your apologetic self. I, I started going to Max Crabhouse room. If I don't show up two days in a row, even one day I get messages on my Instagram. Yo, are you okay? I'm like, damn, I just overslept. Like, but it's also like because they're so used to seeing you. If I don't see somebody for two days, I'm going to go messy like, you know? But people also have this idea, oh, because they're always on social media or because they're always laughing and looking happy, they must be okay. Social media... Anybody can post. Some posts are automatic. Some people have set up on their post. That doesn't mean you have checked up on your friend and found out if they're okay. And the whole purpose of social media is people to pretend like their life is okay. Like, 
<laughs> you know, social media is funny. It's all it is is a platform. And what people do with that platform is they could do whatever they want with it. A lot mm-hmm. of people use it just for business. It's a funnel of sorts, a top of funnel mm-hmm. that's outward facing. And they're looking to find other people to get into their funnel and bring them on this journey, ultimately selling them something, right? For other people, it's just showing pictures of them and their families and their friends. And it's this wide spectrum. And there's no, it doesn't, just like you said, it doesn't mean anything. And my whole thing as of late has been coming from curiosity and someone posts something and because they post it, I don't pretend to know why they posted it or I don't jump to a conclusion. Oh, they're so happy because I saw the post of them on the vacation. I truly come from curiosity. I'll reach out and say, how was that vacation? You know, was it, was it what you thought it would be? And you'd be surprised people when you actually one-on-one reach out, feel a lot more comfortable being honest versus publishing something to the masses. And some of them could be conscious of their own brand, how they appear, all those different things. Of course, it's going to be hard to know how that person's actually doing without that one-on-one. Thank you. A post can be anything. A person might post that while they're literally in their bed crying, but that's where they want to be. They think like, I was happier during this time. I want to go back. So I'm posting that. And I tell people, y'all don't pay attention to my posts, especially if people watch my stories. Like, if you take my stories seriously, I'll be mad, sad, crying, heartbroken, depressed in a relationship all in one hour. Because I just post things that, I can relate to doesn't necessarily mean I'm going through it. But then when I'm going through shit, trust me, you will know by my post, right? It's not that hard because I'm very open book, like maybe too much. Somebody, and this is funny because um, I met this person on Clubhouse on Friday. And uh, as I said, I'm being more intentional. So we followed each other and then I reached out later. Hey, thanks for following, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to listen to your podcast. What what, what uh, episode do you recommend? I really don't have a favorite episode. Anybody ask me that, I'm like, ah. Uh. So I always try to recommend an episode because my podcast is kind of, I try to recommend a, a, an episode depending on what who you are or what you like. And then from there, you can take it on. So I, I was like, what do you like? I was like, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm like, I don't know what might have made you think my podcast is Christianity. I am a Christian. I do post Bible verses, but I don't talk religion on my podcast. I don't talk uh, politics on my podcast. Those are two topics that I, I stay away unless it's something very specific. So he goes and he chooses to listen to my 34 um questions for my 34th birthday and then he comes back and is like wow you really are an open book like the amount of things i've learned from you just from that episode i'm like yeah because even that's how my instagram is like literally when you when you walk onto my instagram and you meet me in real life there's no it's the same person my energy might be a little bit more louder 
But it's, it's the same person. So even when I started my podcast, I wanted it to be a safe space. I wanted people to come and be their authentic self and uh, be an apologetic member. How is somebody going to trust to be in your space if I'm not open about me and myself and my journey and my life? Because they need to relate to you, right? So if I'm showing up as somebody who's not me on my podcast, and then I'm showing up as me elsewhere, will you be able to literally relate to me? Because you'll be like, okay, this is just another fake-ass bitch. Yeah, and one of the things, too, is if you're showing up and not being yourself, you're going to start attracting people who are not like you at all, which that's not good or bad. It's going to be different people, but you're going to attract whatever persona that you've created. When you're able to show up and be authentically you, you're going to start to attract people who are also like you and also keep it 100 and are authentic, vulnerable, all the things, <laughs> which ultimately leads to what we were talking about, about that exactly community of people. Safe space that, that we crave for. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I, I, I want to disagree with you there. I feel like it's bad. I feel like when, when you portray somebody else and end up joining these communities that you're portraying because that's what you're attracting, it might be exciting the first few days because playing anybody else is always fun. Like if you've ever acted or anything, like once in a while doing this role, it's always exciting, but it's exhausting if you have to play that role 24 seven. So then that ends up fucking up with your mental health cause you have to hide who you really are. People can't come to your place. People can't see your family. When you're outside and you're with your actual family, you're gonna start hiding or coming up with stories and that messes up with your peace, mess, gives you anxiety, gives you depression, just, so I feel like it's bad. And that's why sometimes we need to stop and look and be like, what person am I? Who do I want to be? Because sometimes we say we don't find the communities we belong to or we don't find our people or we don't, we, we don't feel safe. It's because we are not showing up as ourselves. But I tr trust me, you think you're weird? There's all sorts of weird out there. I'm weird as well and I found my people. There's every kind of people as long as... Trust me, and it's it's cool to be weird these days, actually. Absolutely. Now, now since we're speaking about personal growth, right, yeah. it often involves um, stepping out of our comfort zones. And most people like being stuck in their comfort zone. That's why people end up not growing. So how do you encourage people to embrace discomfort and navigate the challenges that come with pursuing their dreams? Great question. And it goes back to that future self of if they actually want to be like that future self, if they're not that person right now, but they aspire to become that person, they're going to need to do things that they haven't done before. And anytime we do things that we haven't done before, we don't know if we're going to be good at it or it's going to be challenging for us. It's just, we, we don't know. We have to really put on this mindset of discovery and go experience it for ourselves. 
for instance, one thing could be really challenging for one person, like public speaking. And when somebody else that maybe they their purpose is more to be this mass communicator to the world, maybe they try public speaking and it's not that hard, right? So we have to stop taking other people's perspective on whether on what that growth is that needs to happen and whether that's a good experience or a bad experience. And something I'm doing right now that's been this ultimate personal growth for me is I got a cold plunge about four months ago. And I was somebody, Paula, that would say, I hate cold water. I hate cold me water. Too. And I'm right? from Africa and at four o'clock, it's so hot, four o'clock PM, the water is not even cold, but it's like, you know, like you're in a pool, that warm weather and I'm still shining hot water. My dad is like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, no. Yes. And, and then I realize that I don't put myself in cold water because I have this belief that I don't like it. And I start watching videos of Wim Hof and Russell Brand and their experience with trying cold plunges and cold exposure and some of the mental health benefits that came, how it improved their circulation, how now they don't get sick very often because their immunity is just insanely boosted. And I'm like, maybe I do like cold water depending on what it is, right? So I end up getting this cold plunge and I learned very quickly that for about the first 30 seconds when I sit in it, I need to focus on my breath because it's like an animal that you throw in a cold water. So I'm just going to absolutely want to get out immediately. And yet in trusting the process and trusting these other guides that have come before me and kind of shared about the benefits and what the process might be like. After about 30 seconds, my body starts to regulate. After about a minute and 30 seconds, I'm actually incredibly calm. And at that point, I could stay in 10 minutes if I wanted to, 20 minutes if I wanted to, because I've I mean, the water does get warm after you're in there for a minute, right? (laughs) (laughs) The one that I have just continually, the cooler stays on throughout and it will remain at that temperature despite me being in there. And now I'm starting to see this in other areas of my life. What this has really been is awareness for how my body operates. So for instance, I do yoga and I'll get into a pigeon pose and I'll notice that oh my gosh, this pose is hard and my body doesn't want to do it. And then I remember how my body operates. All I need to do is focus on my breath for about 30 seconds. And then it's so funny. I'm able to sink into the pose and really start to enjoy it after that. So this whole, I don't like cold water really depends on the context. And when I know there's something I can do that there's a control component to it where I can get myself out of it at any second. Right. It's not like I've been thrown into an icy ocean and in that situation, I wouldn't like cold water. Um, But it's really been profound. And is it uncomfortable? Yes. Every single time I do it, it's uncomfortable. And then the 
when I'm done, I feel so amazing, similar to a workout where you're like, oh, got to go to the gym. And then when you leave the gym, you're typically feeling like, wow, I'm so I'm glad happy I made I you. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny being a human and things we think we like or we don't like or it just depends on so many factors. And there are things we can do that maybe they're challenging and we are uncomfortable during that process, but in having inspiration from other people who have come before us and did it and are able to share their results. And then we have to ultimately discover, do we get those same results? Maybe somebody else tries the cold plunge and has just a terrible experience. It's too much overactivation of their nervous system and it triggers panic or something like that. And then I'd say, don't do cold plunges. So there's no one size fits all. Almost going back to the planner versus just having a word and being intentional. It's we're both doing the exact same thing and we're just doing it in different ways. And there's no right or wrong way when it comes to that growth process. It's finding that level of discomfort that you can still press forward with but you don't overdo it so much so where you never end up on that path again. I like that. You might actually make me want to try this <clears throat> cold. So for people who don't have a, who don't have a cold plunger or can't figure out where, even if they buy it, where to put it. Can, can, can we just turn on the cold water on our showers and stand under it for like 10 minutes in cold Absolutely. shower? Absolutely. So the whole, this whole realm, and it's newer, like a lot of this information, it's, shouldn't say it's newer. I'm going to take that back. It's, it's been existing for thousands of years. I was about to say, remember the days of ice bucket challenge? Yes. Yes. The science, the, the amount of data we have from the benefits of cold exposure is being talked about more than it's ever been talked about. And cold showers is the same thing. It's just called cold exposure. And there's not one that's better than the other. I actually think cold showers might even be more challenging because the temperature is not as cold as the plunge. And yet it's a thousand little cold, cold drops of water getting all over your head and your body at the same time. And I know other people that, that prefer that method, but that's absolutely within the realm. And in a lot of countries, there's not even the option for cold water, <laughs> right? So, or or for mean? hot water, I should say. Hot like, water. It's, it's constantly cold. Yeah. Yes. You gotta yeah, wait. You know. gotta wait during the sunlight when it's crazy hot. Then you go yes. time and, and get like some warm water. But, but yeah. <laughs> it's all they know. So there is no cold or hot water privilege. It's just water, and they're already doing it and might not even know it. All right. So how uh, how often do you do it per week, and for how long? I, I, I attempt to do it every day. And if I'm being real, which why wouldn't we be on this? It's I I'd probably do it five to six times per week. And the goal is every day. I do it for five minutes, um, sometimes six minutes. 
And that's been the sweet spot for me. And with all the research that I've done, where the health benefits after a certain amount of time, it doesn't make sense to stay in there longer. It's not like the you don't incrementally get that much more benefit. So after about five minutes, I get all the benefits that I need. And I get so let me, let me ask you, for a person who is going to do, be doing it in a shower, right? If I do yeah. five minutes in a cold shower, then I turn it into hot shower, and then I continue showering, does that change it? Or? Oh, okay. Not at all. <laughs> so one thing that I do is I attempt to not do the plunge and then jump into a hot shower because one of the the things that I really enjoy about it is allowing my body to regulate itself. Our bodies are so fascinating. And when we get out of that cold water, you should see me. I'm like beet red all over my body. And so quickly, my body gets its temperature back to where it needs to be so, so quickly. So I love allowing my body to do what the body is able to do. And so in short, so in short, start with a hot shower, then the last five minutes, cool yourself with a cold one. And <laughs> yeah. you know, in a lot of places that subscribe to this cold plunge or cold shower concept, also have saunas there. And you'll see people that'll go in the sauna for a while, and then they'll jump in the plunge, and then they'll go back in the sauna. And so that's very much. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but that cold exposure, I will let you know that first 30 seconds is going to be challenging. Just focus on the breath. And yet, once you get past a certain point, you're going to realize that, wow, I could do this for a really long time. And I have a friend that's been taking cold showers every day for over seven years now. Oh, damn. It's just... It's what he does every day. And he said, everything after that is easier than that. I mean, if you, if you just go by after three months, I feel like after three months, it's, it it becomes a routine. Like it becomes something that you are, you're used to. So maybe that's why quarterly planners. So you also mentioned something about um, challenges, right? So what would you say are the most common um, challenges people face? Because you, you, you as a coach and a consultant, what have you figured are the most common challenges people face when they're trying to uncover their true potential or their purpose? It definitely varies because we all have different, different things. And yet, I do think most people at some point in their life started to believe something about themselves that wasn't accurate. And I look at my own story. And when I was four years old, my dad and brother were going to a baseball game. I said, can I go with you? They said, we'll take you when you're older. And in that moment I said, okay, I'm not old enough. Fast forward a few months, we go to an amusement park for my brother's birthday. We go to ride the rides. They go on a ride. I want to go with not them. Taller than. <laughs> I'm not tall enough. So I start, I, I make a decision that I'm not good enough and I'm not tall enough. 
I'm not old enough. I'm just not enough. Now, that was a lie that I lived for the majority of my life. And when you start looking at life through that lens, you're going to find every single way to validate that you're right, that you're actually not good enough. So whatever it is for people, whether it's they're not enough, for some people it's I'm too much, right? I don't want to scare people. I'm too much. But usually that ends up not being true. And I think the hardest part is that awareness piece to actually discover the truth. And I think some people can get it from other people sharing with them truth about who they are as a human. I also think there's a lot of other ways to arrive there. I know we're on the age of psychedelics where that a lot of people have turned to psychedelics to get that internal wisdom. They need a pattern interrupt and maybe their brain isn't functioning in the way it needs to be functioning. And they'll turn to psychedelics and have that awakening of sorts. And other people, it's more of a spiritual thing. It's through prayer and they find their identity in God or, or a higher power. But ultimately, I think a lot of people really struggle to connect with who they really are, like who they actually are. It's like they picked up all these identities over the years of other people that aren't them. So that's that's going to be my answer is just I think a lot of people that I've seen. Self-doubt. Yeah. And it's funny you brought that, right? Because um, we have all like, I mean, um, the reason I even got very dis- defensive is because just like you are. Uh, I was told from my young age because I'm small and short. So, oh, you can't do that because you're a woman or you're too, like almost every profession I wanted to be, oh, I was too short. I was just, I wanted to play basketball. I kept on being told that. And I'm very good at basketball and I kick ass in heels too. And only because after a while I got tired of being put into a box and being told like what I can because the self-doubt was really coming into me like, Fuck no, but then I had a very competitive brother and I grew up a tomboy. So he helped kind of take that self-doubt out of me because if I didn't have him, I think I would have grown up being very, um, what's the word, um, victimizing myself or something where like, you know, I feel like I'm ugly. I feel like I'm, I'm too short. I'm too small. I can't do this. I'm a woman. I shouldn't do this. But I had a very competitive brother who turned anything into a competition. So anytime I hanged out with him, it was either playing video games would compete, playing basketball would compete. He didn't care if I was a girl or a boy. Like, he, to him, it was like, I'm just competing with you. Like, I won't compete with anybody else. So that helped me become even more loud and be like, oh, well, you don't like loud? Then I'm going to show up even more louder. <laughs> yes. But, um, but how does one, like, okay, I got lucky, right? Because I had a competitive brother. If I was an only child or I had a sibling who was just like me, you know, 
I would have allowed the self-doubt to eat me. So how do you feel like one way for somebody to overcome self-doubt? How did you overcome yours? Where do I begin? <laughs> it, I haven't fully overcome mine. I know it in my brain. I know that growing up thinking that I was not good enough was a lie. And yet, do I believe that 100% of the time? Not yet. Not yet. My brain is still rewiring itself. So the, the key is always going to be that awareness. And for me, it really was a lot of different things, a lot of therapy. And ultimately, I did end up moving in a psychedelic route where I did six infused IV ketamine sessions with a guided psychiatrist, two hours each. And what I realized, and the, the whole reason I did it in the first place was there were certain topics that I had trouble talking about. There were so many layers of trauma and PTSD that had built up that upon going to those topics, I'd immediately forget what I was talking about. My brain would go in this self-protective mode and shut down. It's like I wasn't able to access that little thorn that was living inside of me to pluck it out. And with the use of psychedelics or ketamine, which by the way, can be used as an anesthesia to put people to sleep, to do surgeries, but given in small dosage can have a psychedelic effect. I was able to look at aspects of my life like childhood and growing up with some of the dynamics that I grew up with and access memories that I had completely forgotten about. And it wasn't as big of a deal. It's just what happened. My, my dad and brother said, couldn't go to the game. I couldn't go on the ride. Now it was me that attached all the meaning to what that meant. And it was me choosing that I'm not good enough. None of that was true. The amusement park had a height requirement so people didn't fall out of the ride and die so they don't get sued, so they don't go out of business. It had nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. It was ridiculous. So that's one of the ways in which I accessed that awareness. And I think it's really challenging to say what it's going to be for somebody else, because I all th we, we all have these unique situations and we all have different ways of ultimately finding that thorn and removing it. I do think it is, it starts with that desire. It starts with, I want to remove the thorn. It's like you, you talk to alcoholics and they're like, oh, the first step was awareness that, oh, I might have a problem with alcohol, right? <laughs> so it's that, that, oh, maybe I have that problem with alcohol, or maybe I decided this. Maybe I am feeling this way because of, I, I don't know. It's that curiosity and then that desire to improve. And I was gifted with that desire to always continuous be, continuously be improving. And 
I, I do want to encourage people that if they do feel hopeless, there's so many different things to try. Like you don't ever have to give up because there's so many different modalities. And if one's not working, there might be something else. So just doing research, just doing research and finding out all the different things that are available to improve and then choosing the one that you align with. And that's so true. And, um, and that's why I feel like I love having such conversations on my podcast, which involve personal growth and mental health. And cause I might sit with six different people where we are battling depression, but what has worked for me isn't what worked for them and what worked for that and what worked for that. So it's always good to hear what worked for other people. If you suck at research, because I hate doing research, and that's that's one of the reasons why I I am yet to do my PhD, because I hate doing research. But I love having conversations and I love having deep conversations. I mean, look at our discovery call. You know, if I didn't have to run back to work, uh, it would have gone like I go straight into deep conversations and you get to learn things. So I feel like people also need to stop having small talks and actually get to know people. You never know what you might learn and you might end up getting an answer to a prayer that you needed if that even makes sense. Absolutely. And you're doing research right now. (laughs) Exactly. Because talking to you right now and digging into your brain, that's research. Because I I prepare these questions. I had to. (laughs) You do research every single day, and it just might not be what someone thinks about. Maybe someone on a computer, super introverted, like, reading a million articles. If research can be, hey, I noticed that person used to be depressed. In the past few times I've seen them, they seem pretty happy. Why don't I ask them, what did they do to get happier? And that in itself is research. research. Absolutely. Absolutely. So coming from that curiosity, always... And if you see other people and you want something that they have, just be being curious about it. And I mean that within reason. I don't, you know, it can be a Ferrari and you could ask, how'd you get the Ferrari? And they'd tell you their story of how they gained their wealth or something. But we're talking a little bit deeper, right? Because starting with that be, do, have mentality, when we see other people being in a certain way that we're like, I would love to be more like that. Just reach out to them, connect with them, learn. I'm sure they're going to want to help other people. I'd like to think they're going to want to help other people. That's so true. Half of the people I've come across, nobody has told me no, or I don't want to share or anything. They've really been willing to help. and Because we know that the the struggle with mental health uh, just, I, I constantly, I'm writing a book right now on how podcasting saved my mental health. And, and I did a, a, a case study presentation about it. But I'm telling people, I, I'm still battling depression. I'm not cured, but I found tools and tricks that help me 
not get to as deep as how I would normally get to. And podcasting has been one of those things because anytime I'm going in a dark hole and I allow myself to just embrace it and like, okay, Paula, today just be sad or whatever, I'll end up watching trash TV because when I'm sad, I want to watch trash TV and think about these grown-up people arguing about stupid things. It just makes me happy. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's my little... But I always end up either coming up with a topic for my, my next season or an episode idea or a live idea or a merchandise idea. Next thing I know, I'm pulling out my notebook, I'm starting writing. And that's why I mean like podcasting, save my mental health. Because anytime I'm in that, I allow myself to be in and immediately I start thinking about my podcast and ideas that everything that comes out like every day my mind is on anything I look at oh my god that could be a nice content let's create this content like that's how my brain works these days <laughs> and as we're saying the journey towards self-discovery and and purpose and um grow, grow personal growth they're ongoing just like mental health they're ongoing they they don't just end what would you say are some strategies you would recommend to people to maintain um, their motivation and continue their growth journey in times when the challenges strive? Because I know it can be very hard when shit is not looking right and you're trying to still stay in your purpose to be motivated to keep going with your purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's keeping that, and I'll say future self, I'll also say goal in mind the whole time. And I'm a big sports fan and I'd love to use a sports analogy. And I apologize to anybody. Who What's your favorite that. sport? What's your favorite sport? I am a diehard football fan. And um, I make them football. Yeah. So, so um, I think most people know the Super Bowl, right? Like yes. most people know the Super Bowl. So I think we could be okay with this analogy. And when I think about those football players where that is their goal and when they start in the off season, usually it starts in February or March. It's usually that idea of, I want to be a Super Bowl champion or a team deciding together. We want to be Super Bowl champions. Well, how do Super Bowl champions behave? And what about when there's those three-a-day practices in the middle of July in the 100-degree heat when it gets very hard? And I guarantee this thought of quitting or do we actually even want to be Super Bowl champions starts to surface. And that those are the real opportunities to identify how badly do you, do you want really it? want this goal. And if it's a goal that you are committed to and you will do anything at all costs to achieve it, when those challenges pop up, you almost welcome them because that uncomfort is also a growth opportunity to overcome and upon overcoming it, you're going to be that much stronger and that more, much more aligned with that goal that you have in mind. 
So for me, it's always going to be that future reconnecting with it. Yes. Yes. And know that it's going to get hard in your route there. And you're going to find out, like, do I really want it or not? And I don't recommend deciding when it's hot out and you're doing all the workouts and everything. Decide before that. Like, fuck it. I don't really need it right now because it's so hot outside. I'm okay. And have some systems to fall back onto when your brain starts to go there. So when your brain starts to go to... I don't want to do this. I can't do this. You already know your brain's going to do that before with the cold plunge, a great example. Before I get in it, I know I'm going to want to jump right back out of it. And half of the time we set our mind into it. Like, can you start thinking this way so I can get myself out of it? Yes. It's like the game is already played before you step on the field based on the mentality that you show up with. And that's how I look at things. And I, (laughs) humans are fascinating and the things they can overcome are fascinating. I think about the four minute mile and nobody had ever broken the four minute mile. I think it was like the, it was in the 1900s. I want to say 1950s that people thought scientifically it was impossible to run a four minute mile. They thought your heart would explode. And the same year that someone finally did it, Roger Bannister ran a four-minute mile. A bunch of other people that same year did it. And the next year, people started bringing it to a different level and running even faster miles. So what really limits us is our ability to know what's even possible. And as soon as we see one person do it, we're like, that person's still alive. <laughs> then we know that we could probably do it too if that's where we set our mindset. That's so true. And with that said, how do you, you personally, balance your personal growth while you're also helping others on their path? Because it can't be easy when you have to, you are you're leading these people. You have a community that you're also growing and you have your own personal growth that you have to work on. Yeah. So part of the helping others is helping is yourself. Really, yes. You already know this. You already know. It's it's so true. And it goes back to that purpose. It's like when I'm in alignment with that purpose and helping other people grow. I am just overwhelmed with joy. Now my own personal, there's certain things I need to do. I need to meditate. And at times I I really want to get more consistent with this, do breath work. Breath work has been a very powerful tool for me, but meditation for me is a non-negotiable. That's something for years I need to do every single day. And as long as I meditate, everything else is going to be okay. If I I've don't meditate, tried. I, yes. I, I've tried. And today I actually even sent a, a, a funny reel to to um, Lauren. I don't know if you know Justin. Um, he's also part of PodFest. And um, he came on my podcast a few 
Um, but um, Justin has his wife and he does meditation. And she came on my podcast and she taught me how to find ways to stay in balance when I'm meditating because I'm an overthinker. So I go in my head a lot. So, you know, meditation is supposed to get me out of my head. But then instead I start daydreaming. I start thinking of the, like, so she gave me some tricks, which for some minute there worked, but then I lost, you know, it does need discipline. Anything you are doing for, to better yourself requires discipline. And I did not have the discipline at that time. But um, today I was trying to do it. I was like, maybe I should start getting back to meditation. And my 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 thoughts that in the morning I was like, I'm never gonna try. And then I come and I see this real me. Like I'm in the I'm in a there's fishes in a pond, and this one fish is trying to concentrate into meditation, and all the fishes around it are like. Yeah. So yes. I said to try, like this is how I feel my brain. I want to be able to meditate for at least. 10 minutes without, but it is a, a process. It's a struggle, but I want to get back into it and have a proper discipline on getting myself into meditation because I do know that it's very helpful and useful. It's life-changing. And most people think that, so when you when you imagine me meditating today, right? You probably imagine me like peaceful. I like sit down. There's nothing going on in my head. Right? No. The, the truth is when I meditate, it's about removing all the rules. Like you're off the clock. You're completely off the clock. If your mind is going to race like crazy, let it. The second you attempt to control that it's going to want to run crazier what i do recommend there's various types of meditation out there i recommend having a mantra and that is an anchor word to come back to and through having a mantra you're like oh yeah that's why i'm doing this and you say your mantra you say your mantra, and then at some point your mind is going to do what the mind does, and it runs and it runs. Let it go, right? It's running, it's running, running. At some point, you'll come back and say, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be meditating. And you say your mantra, and you say your mantra. And it's really in that freedom of allowing the brain to be this crazy human supercomputer that it is, and just coming back to that mantra and the form that I learned of how to meditate is called transcendental meditation. And it was this real formal process I did where it was like you go four days in a row and over 90 minute sessions, somebody teaches you how to meditate. They give you a mantra. By the way, my mantra is in Sanskrit. I have no idea what it means. And yes, I could Google it. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to know what it means because any sort of meaning that I attach to it starts to take away from the actual point of the meditation. So it's uh. just this, this word that I go back to and I go back to and I go back to, but it doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying a word, all that to say, it doesn't ultimately matter what the word is 
that is your mantra, but as long as you have something to go back to, and then over time, just like you mentioned, by the way, habits, they, according to Atomic Habits, that book, they take 66 days to form. It was a study done at this London university. So as long as you're committed and you're going to do this thing for 66 days, at that point, every day after that, it's like brushing your teeth, right? It's just something you do every day. It's just- it's making to those 66 days is where it's hard. Struggle, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, when you, when you look at 66 days, you're like, oh, that, 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 that's, two, that's two months. And, yeah. and of every yes. day. Like just me waking up every morning and trying to, because once I get into clubhouse at seven to eight, and then I start work at eight to nine, like eight fifteen. So I always try to get in my morning prayer from my daily app on my phone before I enter clubhouse. But then every time it's six o'clock and I'm like snoozing, snoozing, and I'm like, so imagine trying to say, but it's all discipline. I feel like I really when you apply discipline and again being intentional i need to use my word and be intentional in my, in my yeah. meditating and and chunk it down if 66 days feels scary it's like you know the top of everest for you make the goal to get to base camp of everest and then when you're at base camp then you can choose again am i going to keep going right when I started the cold plunge, I needed smaller goals. I ultimately chose a 30-day non-negotiable where I'm taking the option off the table to do it or not do it. That I was doing it for 30 days in a row. After 30 days, I'm allowed to reevaluate. I'm allowed to do five days out of seven instead of seven out of seven. And yet I, I know the goal is 100% of the days that I'm able to do it, that that still remains the goal. And it's like a, a refinement process to get there. But all I needed to do was focus on 30 days. And every single day that went by, so I, said, I, focus for one I gave week. myself a little a check week. mark. One a week. week. That's all week. you have to do. For, when I started, it was four days. I was going to learn how to meditate in these four days and then I liked it. So I chose to meditate on the fifth day and the sixth day and the seventh day. And I just kept going. And now it's How long do you med- I, I typically meditate for 20 minutes. Mm. And when I started, I would do 10 minutes. Oh my God. It felt like the longest 10 minutes of my life. Yeah, and every day it's different. Some days it really does feel long for me. Other oh, yeah, well, there was one day it felt so short. I was like, this is weird. But I think I, because I was slowly getting into the rhythm of it. Yes, our bodies are very rhythmic. And if you meditate at the same time every day, your body's going to just start to crave it around that time. And I do recommend having somebody teach you how to meditate or there's a great book called how to meditate and really following a system of sorts. So you're not inventing it on your own because I had this question of like, am I doing it right? And I had somebody I could ask 
And they're like, yeah, that is like, and they gave me seven different things that might happen when I meditate. And it was like, I might, you know, take a deep breath at some point. I might lose all association with like the physical realm because I'm just in this maybe I need to place. maybe I need to invest into actually going to a yoga and meditation like for a month where I know I'm paying for it I'm being held accountable you know yeah. it's a drive of some sort because sometimes starting something alone in the house by yourself can can however much you want to motivate yourself can be less motivating because you're by yourself. I can easily come on Instagram and say, they two of meditation while I didn't do it. (laughs) And and share your goals. Like my goal in the second quarter of this year was to do yoga at least three times a week. And when I signed up at the yoga studio, I told them that goal. And I was like, if you don't see me here for a week, reach out to me. Give me a hard time the, the next time you see me. Not even a hard time. Come from curiosity. Find out what's yeah, going on. But yeah. this is my goal. And the more I shared that with the instructors, and there's different instructors of different classes, they knew they wanted to help me get there. It's so yeah, because they they show yeah, because they see you are you are actually serious. Because everybody goes for yoga or meditation for their own purpose. Some people yeah. to just waste time. Some people to stretch. Some people. And there are those people who actually are there wanting to learn and be held accountable and try this new thing. So thank you for that. I'll do that. So, all right. Cold showers and meditation and yoga. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so much homework you're giving me, Johnny. Zero homework. You just inspiration. Choose. This is inspiration, inspiration. Not homework. Inspiration. Yeah. So I'm... Um, as we wrap this up, right, I want to ask you, in your in your expertise, in your own ways, what would you say um, some key elements that contribute um, to creating a positive and supportive environment for personal and professional growth, for people out there who are trying to figure it out and trying to find out, what would you say some key elements for them to have in mind Environment is huge. So we become exactly like the people and environments that we surround ourselves with. In my opinion, it comes down to your values and then where are our environments where those values live. Mine are peace, connection, freedom, So when you hear that my goal is to be at a yoga studio three times a week, it's in alignment that that's where a lot of peace happens is inside of yoga studios. That's where connection happens. That's where freedom, freedom happens. If I told you that my goal was to go to heavy metal rock concerts seven nights a week in my values are peace, connection, freedom. Yeah, maybe the freedom, maybe the connection part. But for but me, the peace I, part? I, I, yeah, I, I don't find peace there. So it ultimately starts with figuring out what are your values? And then what are the environments where those values live? Like a church, a, a church piece, connection, 
freedom could be hit or miss depending on the on the church and, and the messaging of it. Um, but that could be a place where my values live. Um, so really starting to figure out like where do your values live and then just go there. Like literally, I just walked in the yoga studio. I, I Googled, I found like two that offered the types of classes I was looking for. And I just drove to one and I had conversations with a human being about what it was like to be a member there. And they showed me all their class offerings. They offered this great package of you only pay $10 today and you get 10 days of yoga. So guess what I did? I did yoga 10 days in a row to start to build that habit. And, and for 10 bucks, that's like yeah. $1 a day. That's a class. Yeah. That's not bad. That was unbelievable. Well, that was part of their funnel. Then now I'm paying like $130 a month or something like that to be part of it. They had to pull you in, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, if you tell me from the get-go $100 when I'm still not sure if I, I would love the class or anything, I, I look at you like, okay, I'll be back, you know, because that's $100. But if yeah. I paid 10 for 10 and I showed up for all and I enjoyed giving you 100 per month when I know I get my values here, that's a brainer. Yeah. So, but to answer your question, definitely figure out your values and then where do those values live and get creative. Don't nature, peace, connection, freedom for me, right? That's, that's where those things can live also. It's, there's so many different places. But if we don't know where our values are, it can start to get confusing because then we're just trying a bunch of stuff, but we're not being really as intentional with the things we're trying. We're just experimenting. So true. Which it's not so bad to experiment, but then once you've done experimenting, you need to know where you want to belong because otherwise doing experiments throughout your life is not... Um, goal-oriented or any of that. Now, Jenny, it's been amazing hanging out with you. I, I can't believe we're actually able to do it today, actually. <laughs> but this is so much fun. Now, before we go, let us know what Lifey has in stores for us. Let people know uh, what to look forward to from Lifey brand and where people can subscribe for life with pulse and let them know what life with pulse is too by all means sell the life brand right now absolutely so the vision for lifey is one of the things i think about all the time is this maslow's hierarchy of needs and at the very bottom of that where people are just concerned about food, shelter, water versus the very top where somebody becomes self-actualized. I intend for Lifey to have a place for every single, no matter where you are, this idea of come as you are. And there's different groupings based on that that are going to appeal to you. So for instance, we have something called Project Lifey. And if we ever ended up having a nonprofit aspect of Lifey, it would be Project Lifey. Last summer, we, we launched Project Lifey, and the whole point was to connect the unconnected. It was after two years in a global pandemic. People were feeling 
disconnected. And now for the first time, we were allowed to meet again in person. So we started hosting events and I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. So I was doing them in Austin, Texas. And at the events, any money that was raised, they were ticketed events, went to the Jed Foundation to raise money to help prevent suicide in teens and young adults. So when I think about lifey and Maslow's hierarchy of needs, something like that is people that are really, really, really struggling and, and them having a place within lifey. And then the lifey pulse, that's on the very other side of the spectrum. It's people that have that sense of security and they could go on that journey of self-mastery or self-actualization. And every single month, we're going to be changing the theme of what we're focusing on within the Lifey Pulse, where we're going to interview people from within our community that are really on the expert side of things with whatever they're doing, and then feature them and allow our community to be able to learn from them. Now, somewhere in between, there will end up being more retreats, more lifey retreats. It's something we're talking about right now. And I'm still in the process of deciding how much to do virtually with the community and how much to do in person. Because I think the big, big vision would having these little lifey hubs in different parts of the country where you can move from one part of the country to the other part of the country and be able to connect with other people that are also in the lifey community. And you could actually do in-person meetups with those people. So that's the big, big vision. And when I think about my five-year future self, it's this person that has all these different opportunities for people to be able to connect with other people like them and ultimately do life alongside other people that are doing similar things. And as we do this quarterly system, if somebody focuses on one quarter, maybe climbing a mountain, I used that example earlier, we actually had someone in our community climb a mountain, you got to meet her. Maybe. By the way, they did climb Mount Kilimanjaro, which is in Tanzania, yes. and I'm from Tanzania, so that was like out. A wow moment for me and I got yes. to actually speak with her and I was like oh my god yes so so that being an example of what humans are capable that was a quarterly goal she climbs Mount Kilimanjaro now finding somebody else in the community that's like hey I want to do Kilimanjaro and just being able to really organically make that connection and then Megan takes on this mentorship role of helping this other person accomplish something that she's been able to accomplish. So that's the ultimate vision as a community that's all helping each other get to where each other want to go. And how am I going to do all this? The, the most profitable thing I'm doing right now is my coaching business. So I do coaching for anybody on the life side of things, I call myself a lifey coach. And then all the way to the business side of things, taking advantage of my 15 years of being in the real estate industry. And I actually coach podcasters, real estate agents, just took on a yoga instructor, coached a therapist to help them build their businesses. So really small business focus. And through doing that, I envision being able to fund uh, everything we end up doing within 
within Lifey. He'll be coaching me too, eventually, very soon, soonish. Right. Someone. We'll, fi- we'll yeah. figure it out. My, 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 my future coach, you know, uh, but, um, and that's the thing about, you see, being intentional with the connections you make. It took one call of 45 minutes, which would have gone even more. It actually went a little bit longer, but um, for me to know that, oh, my God, I want to hire Johnny. I might not have the funds right now, but I know when I make my budget for my future, Johnny is part of that coaching. And, and then we have we have mutual people and one of my mutual friends, Simona, I, I hope you all listen to our episode. She was my guest on season six. And we talked about it and she was like, Oh my God, Paula, um, the, the, the growth I had after working with Johnny is impeccable. So if you can do it, so I was like, say less, say no more. So, Y'all yes. out there looking for coaches. I, I I used to never understand the importance of coaches. I understood the importance of mentorship and having mentors, but I never understood the importance of having coaches or what coaches were for until I came in the podcasting industry and understanding that there's places where you're going to need a mentor and there's places where you're going to need a coach and there are places where you're going to need a therapist. They're all as important. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Therapists help you get complete with your past. Coaches help you figure out what you want to do with your future. Awareness is the key word. It's the through line with this whole industry. It is about helping people become aware of what is possible for them in their lives. And that's what I want to be doing for as long as I'm here. Thank you very much, Jenny. Jenny, it's been amazing. Please let the people know where they can find you, where they can find Lifey. And also, leave a piece of advice for that young you who's trying to figure out their purpose. Love it. So my Instagram handle is G. The Lifey brand has an Instagram handle, The Lifey brand. It's also got a website, thelifeybrand.com. That's where you could register for The Lifey Pulse. Highly encourage you to do that if you're somebody who is um, always looking for ways to improve and what other people are doing. We did a whole thing on cold plunging. We highlighted the Kilimanjaro the next month. We did a whole thing on AI this most recent month. Every single month, we we choose a new theme and we dive into it. We do the research so you don't have to. And then we share with you our findings. And then the piece of advice I'd give to myself is don't give up. Don't ever give up. Thank you. And for those people, I know sometimes subscribing for newsletters can be very tricky, but trust yes. me, they don't spam. Half of the time you even forget you have it. Then once you see, it comes to you, you're like, oh my God, is that issue, the new month issue? Because they really do send once a month. And it, 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 I, I, I remember back in the days when you get a newspaper once a month and you get excited of all the information. So it, it is, it gives me that feel anytime. And it was so amazing to see Mark featured on this one with the AI. So again, yeah. 
the way community works, we end up embracing each other and finding ways to support each other and work with each other. So if you are not in any communities, you are missing out. If if life is not the community for you, you are missing out. But that doesn't mean that there's no community for you. But I bet you life is a community that you'd want to be a part of because you will have a say and you will love it. I've been a new member and I'm excited and I just can't wait for everything that life is about to bring. So, Johnny, thank you so much. Before we go, how do you say your last name? Because this is one long name. That is something that I'm still <laughs> figuring out. I was taught by you, You have worked how many years with this name, Johnny? <laughs> 37 years as of today. And not today. It's not my birthday, but I'm 37. I was about birthday. to say that. My, you, is it your birthday? <laughs> no, my parents taught me to say it. Gian Gregorio, and I had the opportunity to go to Italy, and I would I was taught that you would actually say the G I A N as Jean, like Jean Carlo, Jean Paul, like yes, Jean Gregorio, yeah, Jean Gregorio, Jean Gregorio. That's the proper Italian way. Yes. So here I am, confused because I have these Italians telling me how I should say my name and then my parents who taught me how to say it a different way. And the truth is I don't fully know how to say my own last name. I mean, no offense. Uh, Your last name is from Italy, right? Yes. So I think we're going to go with the Italians. No offense to your parents, but your your dad actually also just inherited this because it goes all the way. So unless your great, 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 great grandfather is alive to tell us how it's pronounced, we are going to go with the Italians where they actually know. So Grange... Jean Gregorio. Jean Gregorio. You see, that's even the Italian. Jean Gregorio. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Thank you okay. so much. Hold Thank on. you for no, me. This was wonderful. Thank you, Ship Talkers, for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We appreciate you. To connect with us more, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter and catch all the shit talking vibes before anybody else. You can subscribe to our newsletter through our website www.talkshitwp.com and or our merchandise website www.talkshitwp.shop. And while you're there, feel free to shop away. <laughs> Talkshitwp is available on all social media platforms with the handle Talkshitwp. Follow us and engage with us. Better yet, if you're feeling generous, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and all rate us on Spotify. You can also share a beer with me where my beer lovers at. I mean, what better way to support the movement than sharing a beer with me by buying me a beer at buymecoffee.com. Thank you for listening, sharing, engaging, and support in any way that you do. Remember, new episodes are out every Wednesday and for part two, if any, on Fridays. Let's talk and all listen to some shit. Happy shit talking.